0: Hello, friends. Uh, good day from the North Carolina Study Center, from uh, Bill Boyd, and my home, actually, since we're still uh, in exile, so to speak. Uh, today, I want to introduce you, or for some of you, perhaps reintroduce you to a book uh, by a man named Robert Ferrar Capon. It's called The Supper of the Lamb, a Culinary Reflection. And for one reason or another, I began to think on it uh, because uh, we've been looking at Psalm 4. Uh, The last verse of which says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone. O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And I started thinking, well, um, so once you do lie down and not just lie down, but sleep, which Lord willing, you're able to do these days. um, uh, What do we then do, though, when we get back up? And one of the best books I know that, that gives uh, a practical and theological answer to this, perhaps like nothing else I've read, actually, is this book, The Supper of the Lamb, by Robert Farrar Um I'm just going to begin to read to you from the preface to the first edition, as well as uh, the preface to the second and third editions. Um, and uh, hopefully this will start uh, a multi-day conversation. Uh, I'm going to hop right in. Once upon a time, there was a musician who complained that half the notes he wanted to play were not on the piano. They lay, he claimed, between the keys where he could not get at them. So accordingly, he took up fiddling, which has no such limitations, and lived happily ever after. And as Capine says, he, he says this book on cooking um like the musician, concentrates more on the cracks and the interstices of the culinary keyboard than on the conventional notes themselves. Now, I think in the second and third editions, Capon, in his preface, kind of answers what he means by that a little more. So I want to read a little bit to you from there as well, where he says, there is a habit that plagues so many so-called spiritual minds. These minds imagine that matter and spirit are somehow at odds with each other and that the right course for human life is to escape from the world of matter into some finer and purer and undoubtedly duller realm. To me, says Capon, that is a crashing mistake and it is above all a theological mistake and we might add um, a heresy as well known as Gnosticism. (laughs) Uh, because, in fact, it was God who invented dirt, onions, and turnip grains. God who invented human beings with their strange compulsion to cook their food. And I might add, digest it as well. God who, at the end of each day of creation, pronounced a resounding good over his own concoctions. And it is God's unrelenting love of all the, quote, stuff of this world that keeps it in being at every moment. So, if we are fascinated, even intoxicated by matter, it is no surprise, for we are made in the image of the ultimate materialist. Admittedly, says Capon, a couple of paragraphs later, this is a hard insight to keep track of. For example, this is a book on food, and food these days is often identified as the enemy. Butter, salt, sugar, eggs are all out to get you. And yet, at our best, we know better. Butter is, well, butter. It glorifies almost everything it touches. Salt is the sovereign perfecter of all flavors. Eggs are, pure and simple, one of the wonders of the world, and if you put them all together, you get not sudden death, but hollandaise sauce, (laughs) which in its own way is not one bit less a marvel than the Gothic arch, the computer chip, or a Bach fugue. Food, like all the other triumphs of human nature, and culture, is evidence of civilization. That is, of that priestly gift by which we lift the whole world into the exchanges of the ultimate city, capital U, capital C, which even God himself longs to see it become. We are not simply the, quote, users of creation, we are, all of us, called to be priests. That is, those who offer creation back to God as an act of thanksgiving and an act of praise. And that is what I want us to consider um, the next few times we get together here. What does it mean to take the things around us, the physical Things, the, the creation, the gifts we have, and to uh, begin to notice them for what they are, which will be what we talk about tomorrow. But then also to begin to not simply use them, but but steward them is is a term that I think as Christians is dear to our hearts, to take these um, th- these things, uh, whether it's a block of wood or uh, a carrot or an onion as Capon talks about in the first chapter of this book, or even a relationship with people or or, or even parenting and marriage where we're seeking to love another person and see them grow. What does it mean to take these things that God has put in our hands, literally and figuratively, and not simply use them and then throw the wrapping away, but to actually give thanks to God for them, seek to, Um, be edified by them, seek to see what all these things are capable of in order that our neighbor might be served and we along with them and in the process lift back to God the work of our hands and like Moses say, Lord, by your grace, establish the work of my hands, Lord, yes. Establish the work of my hands. Of our hands. I think this is actually part of what that parable means where um, a landowner went away and he entrusted various things to his servants. And one of them, uh, scared to, so he said, he just took it and buried it and didn't do anything with it. And later on he says, You could have at least given it to the banker. In other words, he failed to appreciate the gift of what his master had given him and to take it and to seek to further it. And that is actually first and foremost what it means to be a human being and to acknowledge God for who he is as our creator and also to acknowledge him for who he is as our forgiving, gentle redeemer. That is, we're to risk (laughs) the Possible failure, even, of of taking what's given to us and furthering it. Because after all, that's what love is. The Lord bless you and keep you, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. Peace of Christ.